Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Devin Flaherty. We recorded this a couple weeks ago over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. I should clarify, Devin is the banjoist and vocalist in this episode, and I'm playing everything else. I know it's usually the other way around. And there's a few great solo banjo songs in this episode, too, that just didn't make sense for me to accompany. So, hope you enjoy. Shout out to the show's newest Patreon supporter, Andrea Weber. Thank you so much, Andrea. This show takes a lot of energy and time and enthusiasm and money to make. And all of those things are easier to muster up when cool people like you chip in to support the show. So again, thank you. To those of you who haven't yet signed up for Get Up In The Cool's Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool. It's linked in the show notes for this episode. Choose a support level that you can sustain and get some cool rewards. Make sure to stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Devin Flaherty. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Devin Flaherty, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you for having me, Cameron. What was that tune? That was called Fire on the Mountain, I believe it's called. I've heard it called Far in the Mountain before as well. But uh, that sure. one came particularly from uh, the Camp Creek Boys of uh, Galax Mount Airy area. So, uh, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of fire fires on the mountain fire on the mountains they differ in some way uh they're all a little bit different but uh you know they all have some weird like some sort of crazy uh crazy melody that is uh it's it's way too fast for anybody uh, yet i do it anyway so (laughs) i've been watching uh your videos for years now you've been posting banjo videos uh, on the internet and um, I have on Instagram and Facebook and other than other than that uh, other than that you like to play fast and you have 
probably the most interesting wrist of any claw hammer banjo player that I've ever seen. And I know those things about you, and then I know that you collect 78s. Um, yeah, those are the only things I really put about me on the internet, because uh, those are the only things that I really do. So, um, yeah, okay. I don't, I, I, <laughs> like, I don't know. There's really not much to me other than the fact that I play the banjo and collect 78s. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the thing. I've always kind of put myself out to be an enigma of some kind, but I'm willing to, uh, kind of uncover the truth a little bit. Um, great. I'm from, I'm from Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I, uh, I wanted to learn how to play the banjo because my dad was really into like 60s folk revival music and um he was um he was a big fan of this group called the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Maycomb they were a uh they were an Irish folk singing group kind of like an Irish version of like the Weavers or the Kingston Trio. Okay, yeah. And um he saw them on the Ed Sullivan show in 1961. He was well he was 60 years my senior, so he was very old. And uh, so, needless to say, I was around a lot of old music. So, but the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Maycomb became, like, kind of the only thing he listened to. And um, so, needless to say, I kind of picked up on it. And um, Tommy Maycomb, the banjo player of the group, he kind of became my, like, hero after I saw him uh, perform live in 2006 in Pittsburgh. I, he... He was, um, I, don't, I don't remember how old he was, but he was a year before he died. And he had his Vega long neck banjo, and he went up and sang for this entire crowd of people. And there, uh, there I was, like 13 years old, just completely transfixed by the way that this man could control an entire crowd with a banjo and his voice. And I was just like, whoa, that is what I want to do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can do it the same way, but... Um, so that it kind of started the whole like man with banjo sing song kind of thing. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a very specific but... kind of <laughs> image. You're interested in the the arresting quality of the whole yeah. sort of package. That's what got. That's what interested me. And then um, I mean, just Irish music in general. I'm an Irish guy, uh, and it was just played a lot. So that's what my initial interest was. I didn't learn how to play it because it's really hard. Um, but uh, now, what 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 style of banjo was he, or how was he playing the banjo while singing this song? If he was singing an Irish song, I mean, it's really not interesting uh, by comparison. It was just like he he learned from Pete Seeger's banjo book, and oh, yeah. um, okay. but like he, you know, he he did it for like fifty, sixty years, and uh, never really progressed by it. You know like basic strums but you know that wasn't really the the thing that drew me it was just kind of like how simple it was the fact that he wasn't doing anything complicated but um that being said i was really interested in the irish music but um i'm also me being me um i was a kid of the internet and uh i spent a lot of time just kind of like on music sites and things like that and i just you know like early YouTube, there was like, you know, uh, things on there that like a 13 or 14 year old, like, you know, could, you could watch, you could watch like old folk music videos and stuff like that. So, um, there was one day in 2009, I remember my mom bought a banjo because she wanted to learn it herself. She did it out of nowhere. It was really weird, uh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. 
and then <laughs> she um, she bought it, thinking she was gonna learn to play it, and then she started to learn like basic roles, I think, or something like that. She, I'll, I'll send her a link to the uh, the podcast for her to listen to it and confirm. But um, she uh, she started to learn how to play, but then one day I just picked it up and started, you know, like noodling around on it. And then I remember on January first, two thousand nine. I just typed in like banjo lesson into YouTube and David Holt's Clawhammer banjo lesson was like the first thing. And I don't know who this guy is. And I don't know what early banjo is. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll, this is like a free seven minute tutorial. I'll just use this on how to do banjo. And, uh, it showed him how to do the bun, the bum diddy stroke. And I was like, all right, this is all I need to know. And then like, after that, I just kind of like did that. I just like, just continuously did the bum diddy stroke. And that's all I did for like two years. Um, but I didn't know how to apply it to the music that I was interested in. So it was about the same time that I discovered American old time music. Like I was just like, holy shit, this is a thing. Like, you know, like this is, it's, it's all in my backyard. And this is my experience as a suburban teenager, like just discovering the, the music of America. Yeah. So, and I kind of just, I, I kind of linked the bum diddy stroke to all these tunes that I was hearing that I was like listening to on YouTube and like downloading and, and stuff. So that kind of my, my initial interest in old time music happened then. And, uh, I remember I, I downloaded on a news group site. Uh, I don't know if people even use news groups anymore, but there was like, uh, so I downloaded Harry Smith's anthology of American folk music. Yeah. And that was like, I was like, Oh my God, this is, I've been completely wrong about the music that I've been listening to was like sixties folk revival music. Uh-huh. I thought that was folk music, you know? So this is the real thing. And it was from that, that point on where I was like, all right, the, nothing else matters. Like, this is real music. And I kind of fell down this rabbit hole of, like, 78s and old-time music, and it hasn't really stopped. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, one formative moment um, was whenever I took a trip with my friend to Myrtle Beach in high school, and I remember I had on my iPod the uh, the anthology of American folk music. And it was the first time I'd been to like the, the American South since I'd been like a kid. And I remember driving through, uh, through parts of North Carolina and things like that, where while listening to this, this old music and like, this is the, I remember thinking this is like America. You know, I don't know. I don't remember the thought I was having, but it, it struck me really deeply. Just li listening to this music while traveling through the, mm. uh, the heartland of America. And, um, so that's what made me want to move to the South. And then, um, for a long time I was in Pittsburgh because, um, I was taking care of my dad who was uh, sick with Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And, uh, but the whole time I was like, I, I really want to move to the South. And then, cause that's where the music is being played. I didn't have anybody to play with in Pittsburgh, you know? Um, I mean, I'm sure I did. I just didn't know how to like, you know, reach out to people. And, uh, like that was kind of the thing. I, I really wanted to move to like North Carolina or something so I could like, you know, find people who like share the same kind of music. So now I have a job with, uh, Carolina soul records or uh, they sell records on eBay and 
they have a, like a brick and mortar store in Durham, and uh, that was an opportunity for me to get down here. So, so yeah, that's kind of in br- uh, short the, uh, the the brief story of me. <laughs> it's a good story. Often when people get into old time music, especially like suburban kids <laughs> yeah yeah when they find their way to it there's this feeling of oh i finally found something important um <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i definitely it can be a little feeling. bit hard to feel ownership of a sense of culture or something when you're in a place when you're grow when you're raised in a place that's supposed to sort of divorce you from the rest of the world and oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's a really that's special kind of- feeling when you finally learn about other things and that is the draw connected i mean to the past. that's why i'm so interested in old music and just this type of ever, uh, old time music of the world basically like you know music of of asia and in parts of europe and you know all everywhere else where there's vernacular traditional music to be found is that it is so different than my upbringing that i simply like i i i need to in like dive into anything that is completely completely different it's a completely different world and um i think some people like do drugs or and things like that to kind of to escape reality but i think i sure. kind of do that by you know playing the music and listening to it and collecting it whatever you want to do i mean i might collectors kind of seem self-important with their like i'm preserving it and whatever but it makes me feel attached and kind of and, and in a way detached from reality <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's good that you're uh, that you're having a realistic um, attitude uh, about it because, <laughs> like you're saying, like yeah, sometimes people try to like have this appeal to this like lofty thing, and you're like, no, I'm just doing drugs. <laughs> that's it's, that's it's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think that's good. Um, because uh yeah some sometimes those those attitudes can like lead to some kind of like weird fetishizing um and then like weirdly righteous behavior uh and I think it's just like okay to like wanna do <laughs> to 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 wanna pursue uh, a passion as absolutely far as you can and because <laughs> you like it. For pleasure orient, you know, to be pleasure oriented about things. It's Absolutely. Good. What do you want to play next? Well, um, I don't know. I'm in A, I think. So um, I guess I'll sing a song. Um, Please. I like to sing. Um, I don't sing as much as I probably should because every time I do, people are like, "Devin, you have such a great voice," and I'm like, "I think it sounds like." People say I think it sounds like Plankton from SpongeBob, but. But you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know why be, you're trying I, to drag plankton on this you show. Don't, I, it's not meant to be any kind of negative or positive thing. I'm just stating a fact. But yes, um, okay. I guess I'll sing uh, the telephone girl. Uh, I don't know where the song comes from, except from uh, an old record by Arville Reed, who was Blind Alfred Reed's son. Uh, mm. They were from Bluefield, West Virginia, I think, or at least uh, Princeton area. I'm not sure exactly where they were based, but um, the record I heard it on came from 27 or 28. I'd, I'd have to double check it, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know anything about it otherwise, and I think it's peculiar because um, it's obviously much older than the 1920s because um, it makes references to like underground tr- or elevated trains and like it, it's it's about the telephone and how it was like still like a brand new kind of invention. And yeah, it strikes me as more of like a um, like a. I don't want to say it's a Tin Pan Alley type song, but it's like it, it doesn't really strike me as kind of the as an old time song. Um, but uh, yeah, to me though, I think this song is an ode to social awkwardness because basically, uh, <laughs> in short, this the the subject of the story is speaking about a woman that that comes by his house to fix his telephone, and she basically just says hello to him, and then he imagines his entire life with the rest of the rest of their lives together like in in happiness and harmony and he she just said hello to him so yeah uh, so this is called the telephone girl I feel so weird, I often feel that things will drive me mad A little girl with frizzing curls came here a week ago To work upon the telephone And said hello, hello Hello, 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 hello Her voice with music rings Sweeter than the whippoorwill that in the woodland sings Across the floor beside the door as I march to and fro She leaned upon the telephone and said hello, hello such a daze, although she sometimes looks at me with sort of a distant gaze. I feel so weak I cannot speak, my heart is beating so, like when she reached for that telephone and said hello, hello. Hello, 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 her voice with the music rings, sweeter than the whippoorwill that in the woodland sings. Across the floor, beside the doors, I march to and fro, she leaned upon the telephone said hello, hello. along in sunshine and in rain I hear her midst the jingle of the elevated train Every sound that comes around above or down below It seems to say the live long day Hello, hello, hello Hello, 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 hello Her voice with the music rings Sweeter than the whippoorwill that in the woodland sings Across the floor beside the door as I march to and fro She leaned upon the telephone and said hello, hello
tell you what I'll buy a spot not very far from town And if she'll agree to marry me we both will settle down Where the wild honeysuckles bloom and the fragrant flowers grow She'll meet me at the garden gate And say hello, hello, hello Oh man, such lofty projection <laughs> going on, <laughs> and, like <laughs> su- such poetry. Sounds, uh, I hope it sounded good. <laughs> you said uh, my room seems great. to be pretty, pretty nice. Oh no, yeah. no, no, I, I meant, I meant projection in, in, in the sense of like the, the, in, the character. <laughs> And the characters lyrically, and, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> no, you sound you don't hear you sound that too great. Many times. I mean, I'm listening over Skype, so I, you know, I'll have to tell later. That makes sense. How it actually, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. yeah. I was when you were describing the song, I was like, oh man, this is like, is this going to be like, uh, is this guy going to be a creep, or is this sort of like an incel kind of character? But I don't know. I I don't know how to like. That's whenever I like whenever I introduce it like that. That's. Wh- what I think people are going to assume, and so I'm always a little bit wary. <laughs> but you know, and I, and and it's still like it's still ambiguous, and I, I don't really think it's a kind of a malicious character. I think it's just a sweet guy who's uh, maybe yeah, just naive. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the tone is 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 very is very sweet. Um, I mean, and he doesn't seem <laughs> he doesn't seem overly. He seems like he's 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 letting himself he's letting himself dream, and exactly you got to let people dream. <laughs> he's not harassing anybody. He's no. just kind of in his own world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. I, I I would like to know more about that. I don't know if it's like a pre like I don't know if it's some sort of like it might, it probably comes from sort of some sort of like sheet music that was available at the time, but that's the only recording I know of it. So. Besides my there's, own, <laughs> there's also a certain kind of um, I don't know. Whenever people fix my technology, um, I get kind of infatuated with them. I'm like you're a miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do things that I can't understand in any way possible. Like just just tech people today. If someone comes by to fix my router, I'd be like, you are a lifesaver. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's get married. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The interesting thing too to note about that song is that the the lyric she leaned upon the telephone uh that is in reference to the fact that you literally had to lean on a telephone that was on the wall. Um I don't think I think that's kind of lost on people today cuz it's all in their pockets, but I mean sure. I hate to sound like the boomer that's like, you know, whenever I was your age I drank from the <laughs> hose and you know, whenever I was your age I listened I I talked on the phone on the wall, you know. But it happened. So bit of bit of a uh, bit of history there for your uh for you podcast listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
Yeah, it's interesting. There's a grand tradition of writing songs about new technology. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think I've specifically heard a song about someone coming to fix your technology because it's not because it's not working <laughs> or to install it that's i mean that's why i that's why i say i don't think it's an old time song like in the same sense that we're used to i <laughs> i don't know what kind of song it is but uh it's definitely one of my favorites is the recording but, um, on um is it a banjo player playing that style no it's um it's a guitar player it's actually a lot different um i just didn't know how to do it the same way and i just don't do things the way other people do them so uh <laughs> yeah it's on youtube somewhere i'm sure i mean yeah. everybody that i introduce it to they're always like oh my god this is great <laughs> i don't know it's it's it seems to be overlooked so yeah 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 it's almost it's like I don't. It, it feel. It feels like a, like a pop song, like a er, it, early radio yeah. pop song. Yeah, I'm sure they wanted to have a hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, I was thinking about plankton while you were talking. You know, because I haven't thought about plankton in a while, and so f- for people who are unfamiliar, plankton is uh, an anthropomorphic plankton i almost said piece of plankton because i don't even know what He's it a piece is of plank- he is a plankton yeah, he is a plankton um in spongebob but if you if you're not thinking about how he looks oh and he has this very distinctive unibrow but his voice his voice has like gravitas <laughs> like it, it, he he has gusto whenever he whenever yeah. he speaks crabs you know spongebob <laughs> So I I think um so basically my three singing uh influences are Tommy Makem, uh Robbie Basho, um and Plankton. Yeah. Um <laughs> so I I like uh I I like deep voices, but uh You yeah, you do I, it well. I mean it's it's hard to pro- <laughs> you have to have a special instrument um to be basically. able to to sing that low and to have it have that because if i were to try to sing with that much clarity and volume in that register i would it would sound like i was um it would sound like i was trying really hard it would be very sweaty (laughs) it sounds great that's probably that's like how i would sing if i was trying to play do like tenor or something (laughs) very forced (laughs) but it happens So, uh, should we play more music, I guess? Yeah, we should. What What do you want to play um, next? I don't know. Um, I love that you don't I... have a list ready. Uh, this is great. Usually no. people are like, okay, I gotta... Should I send you the tunes in advance? I'm like, no, just play whatever you want, you know? And I love that you, you're just You gotta like... <laughs> understand, this is old-time music. I think people have a misconception of what it actually is. You just You just go and do your thing. It's part of you. You don't have to you don't have to gather anything it's just all natural and yeah. uh that's what I, that's the excuse i'm using for the fact that i don't have anything ready <laughs> okay i think i'm in tune so uh i'm in double c capo to to the two fret so uh i guess i'll play something slow because people uh people like slow banjo for some reason 
I'm ready. spotted pony i think i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> sounds great no yeah, I, uh, that was the spotted pony so i've never seen you at a festival and yeah um something that happens in the discourse about like old-time music a lot is how people <laughs> a lot of people the most gregarious people talk about how important old-time community is and how the music is all about getting to connect with other people and i often what i've come to realize is that that is a bit erasing to this whole other type of person who's interested in old-time music which is like um they're interested in it as this sort of personal it's almost like a personal inner spiritual life and I was curious, where do you fall on that spectrum? Because I haven't necessarily... Um, most of my experience of your music is you as an individual. Um, and obviously yeah. you're sharing it publicly through the internet. But what is what is the role of music in your life? That's a good question. Um, well, like I said, uh, I was really... Uh, moved by the Irish performers, but um, 
it is somewhat of a personal thing for me, old time music, because I'm an introvert. Um, I don't really like to go out in public very often, and I, I hate large groups. I mean, I'll go to a festival, but I haven't for the past few years because of different circumstances. And I, most people who know me just mostly know me through the internet, and uh, that's the thing. I, I am kind of of the perspective of that old time music. Yes. There is a community. There's definitely a community involved. I think you need people to make band music, of course. I mean, naturally, that you need yeah. people together to make music. I think that's <laughs> it's a necessary that's a evil. <laughs> but I think that while that... The, the thing is with me, personally, is that I grew up in a place where nobody did any kind of music like this, and I discovered it through the internet, you know, and, and old records that I found at thrift stores. And... I didn't really have anybody around and I'm me being me and like, you know, I'm not going to find people to hang out. Like I'm just not like, I want to be by myself most of the time. So like naturally I'm just playing the banjo by myself. And basically um, what my experience playing music is really, um, it's really been singular because I haven't had a group of people around me to learn tunes from and I've only had old records and that's kind of how I got my style is because I didn't have people around. So all I had were these old records to learn the tunes from. And I'd put the record on. I still do it to this day. And I, I put the record on the turntable and I like wait for it to start going. And I see if I'm in tune with them. And then I start like, you know, uh, seeing if I can ke keep up. But the thing is, is that these, these artists, um, they were so professional that like they and they were they had to do these tunes in they had to fit as much as they could in like three minutes yeah. of time so they did like mississippi sawyer or something like that in like you know neck break speed and uh me being a banjo player and i don't play fiddle or anything or guitar I wanted to kind of capture all of the instruments in a band to at in once in one instrument in some way. I wanted to capture me the melody of the fiddle, the rhythm of the guitar and banjo, and just the speed and ge general like just kind of um, f craziness of the whole thing in just get self-contained. And uh, but I think that like I was uh, I'm going on a tangent, but I'm saying that there is the community aspect. But I think people also overlook the fact that it's also kind of a loner thing, too. you got to think about the people on the mountaintops. you got to think sure. about people who are playing just lone banjo players that had no one around, and they, they don't have internet or TV or anything. And the, all they can really do to entertain themselves is to sing songs and, you know, play the banjo. And it's something that kind of satisfies the self, and it's not necessarily all about everybody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think there's a, there's a time for community and there's, there's a time for kind of like you know self-actualization in terms of music if that makes sense absolutely um, yeah. yeah so yeah my role i mean i the thing is i want to go out and play music with people um but i mean i'm just i have a job and i do things and like it just it just doesn't happen as much as i like it to and since moving to the south before moving to the south of course i'm like yeah i'm gonna go to all of the fiddle the conventions and every single like everything that's gonna happen in the south from here on in that's what i'm gonna do i can't wait this is the, the beginning of the next part of my life and then like 
within like six, uh, it was less than a year into moving here that COVID-19 broke out. So everything shut down. So I've kind of reverted back to the kind of like loner uh, banjo player on his own. But yeah, that's why like I, I mean, yeah, whenever I post stuff on the internet, it's just stuff that I've just come up with. It's just just really an extension of myself. It's the same way any kind of folk art is, really. Um, so I guess that's my my kind of place in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting the um, the role the internet has has played in folk music, both. Um, and I mean, like, folk music, not as a label, um, or, like, a music industry term, but as, a like, an idea. Um, the way that it's allowed people to engage with it, but also the way that it has allowed people to essentially field record themselves and to preserve, mm-hmm. to preserve their own folk music being made um, in a way that I haven't... I don't think has ever happened before... Uh, to this extent because yeah it's you can have this personal experience of the music but there is e- even for the people who want it to be very have it to be this very personal introverted experience there is this like it is a, an audible thing and there is this like i do want other people to, he- to hear this <laughs> you know yeah i want people to hear it but you know it's it's kind of private uh, i I've, yeah. my brain's been warped by the process of like you know here, here's here's a here's a thought that's on my mind that I don't think a lot of other people keep in mind. I'll say this too: is that the recording industry completely changed the way that we re- perceive music. Yeah. The reason I am so interested in seventy eights and things like that is because it's the last living, or it's the last like, it's it's a document of what was before, before music before radio reached small communities in rural areas before like the music of the south could reach the 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 west coast through the radio people were influenced by people in their own communities and i think that the whole recording process and the whole idea of marketing it and selling it and putting a label on it has completely changed our perception of our role and what we do with it yeah and people kind of feel this self this notion to 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 document their own things and like because hey they'll have a their own contribution to like recorded sound the history of recorded sound i'm not sure exactly where i'm gonna go with that but like (laughs) i I was thinking about what you're saying about the 78 being a a link to the past because it's sort of when people were starting to record 78s those people were still they weren't necessarily influenced by the music industry as the people of the generation afterwards. So it's like this preservation, but still you're talking about the act of making a 78 is like, this is my, there's no candidness in, in that act because you're like, okay, I have to fit as much into one side of a 78 as possible. And there's still this very specific type of like getting it onto that form and, having the opportunity to make the recording, there's still like all of these layers of um, pretense that are like changing the way that the music is being transmitted. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I I kind of like how now now that like the recordings have been like completely democratized, I like that people can feel like oh I can make a a Facebook live of me just talking to people and playing and making mistakes and being completely candid um, because it doesn't matter and it, there's no overhead. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen yeah, with all those I recordings, you, but <laughs> I think it's kind of special. It's uh, the, the candidness is really the key. I think that people are realizing that I, I, it's, it, I, it, I could go on a, this topic on a, it's kind of unrelated to old time music, but like, I just think people are less and less concerned with um, appearances and like performity. Like they, they don't people on my generation of people were like, you know, we're like the MySpace selfie kind of people where the, you know, they they have to have the perfect angle and everything. Sure. And, um, but like now if you like go onto like Snapchat, people are like, you know, (laughs) people don't really care. There's, there's less of this, like, there's less formality. I'll say that. So I think there's less pressure for people to really like kind of put on uh, like an act of who they are, uh, or for for the internet. I think that's something that's coming up with the uh, the Zoomers. But uh, I think in a way that ki- that kind of translates to to our old time music. I think people yeah. are loosening up. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to watch and to participate in. Definitely, I- I'm. I, I always forget that I'm experiencing this live that I'm experiencing like the the history of the world, but old time music in particular. I'm also experiencing it and seeing it and participating. So yeah, I got to keep happening. that in mind too. <laughs> Definitely, I always think of it as something that has gone and passed because, like you know, they stop making the records at a certain point, you know. But I always have to remind myself that it's about reality (laughs) (laughs) it's about reality um also before you play in the next tune i i just want to put a pin in like um for myself later this is a personal note um you use the word performity and is that a word i don't even know but if it's not a word i think it should be because it's great you know what i'm trying to you know what i'm trying to say though it's like i know exactly what you're trying to say and i think it's a perfect encapsulation of that idea it's oh look at this it's performity (laughs) that's beautiful i love that being performed on performance yeah yeah whether it's not a a word or not i made it up so i'm into it i'm I'm just saying (laughs) thank you for that vocabulary where i'm going to start using that excellent what do you want to play next i don't know um what I'm in, I'm in the standard tuning. Okay, um, I'll play Shipping Port. Um, okay. There, there are a few different uh, versions of Shipping Port. People, there, there is a version called Shippin's Port that mm. Fiddlin' Doc Roberts did. I know uh, Shipping Port is either one or two words, but from what I know, uh, Shipping Port is an island on the Ohio River. In Louisville, and if you were to like look at Google Maps or something, and if you look, if you zoom in on the island, it's like there's nothing there. But from what I understand, it's like off limits by the government or something. Huh. And like we don't really know what goes on there. Uh, but apparently, it was probably like a like a stop on the Ohio River at some point for uh, for it to be called a, for a tune to be named after it. Yeah. But. Um, at first, I, I was 
brought to the tune because I heard the name Shipping Port, and it was cl- it was the same name as a town in Pennsylvania on the Ohio River called Shipping Port. So I was wondering if there was a connection, but I don't think there is. But Shipping Port, uh, there was a record by Jimmy Johnson's String Band from Kentucky, and that's where I learned this from, but it's different. But I'm going to play it now. Shipping port. I love your use of harmonics. I forgot to mention that in the the telephone girl. Um, it's such a yeah, it's such it, a great yeah, like little. <laughs> it's like it's like a little trick. It's a party trick. It's a party trick, but it's so great. To people who don't understand how instruments work, like you can just do that. They're like, whoa, you know, like right. So, <laughs> but it's really not that. It's really not that. It, everybody knows about harmonics. 
But yeah, it's it's definitely like something you can just add into it. I mean, the thing is about a banjo that I like is that there's no editing. There's no filtering. You I I don't like electric instruments. I mean, it's I I I shouldn't say I don't like electric instruments, but because I listen to them, but I have no interest in like electricity or anything. I like uh-huh. what I can do with my own hands and wood. Um, and with a banjo, you don't have a whole lot that you can do for special effects. You can like you can do that, and you can like you can kind of like do like a weird like tremolo effect or something with like like well, at least I do sometimes with the head. But I like to do kind of like bells and whistles and things like that. Um, yeah. And if you catch me in concert, I haven't done it for a, for a, for a few years, but I used to like you know kind of like do the like Uncle Dave banjo flip. And yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> great. Um, it, it got dangerous after a while. Uh, there was one time I almost harmed myself, but it might be a reason why I don't do it as much. So we have time for one more, but before we play that, where do people go to buy your music or to keep up to date with? New recording. You have a an album that will be coming out sometime soon. Yeah, I have an, an album in the works. Uh, in the works, there was an album from uh, Blue Hole Recordings uh, out in Houston, Texas. It'll be yeah. released on tape, but we haven't really. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get on top of that and uh, figure out when that's all going down. But that'll be exciting. Um, I recorded it like two years ago, and I'm like <laughs> listening to it again. I'm like, I could just totally re-record this, but. Needless to say, it's there, and it'll be released. Um, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> but whatever. If you follow me at other outlets, you will know about that. Um, my Instagram is where I kind of post banjo content. Um, it's electrobeams, E-L-E-C-T-R-O-B-E-A-M-S, um, on Instagram. And I have a Bandcamp page which is uh, devonflaherty.com. I have a I have a domain name where I use my name, uh, but I don't have any website building experience, so I just link it to the Bandcamp. Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to type in the Bandcamp. Uh, but that's D-E-V-O-N-F-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y.com. Great. Uh, just because everybody is like, how do you spell that? How do you spell that? Yeah. How do you spell that? I'm like, yeah, plain and simple. So that's me. Uh, yeah, and if and if you're if you're <laughs> trying to type this into your browser and you keep messing it up, I have everything linked in the show notes, so you can just tap those um, if you're unable to. I should have thought. I've heard the show enough times that I've like I'm, I was waiting for him to say I have the, I have it in the show notes, and I'm like, th- th- uh, why am I even spelling this out? <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. But yes, uh, it's good so, to finally meet you, I, Devin. Oh, absolutely. Even if it's through his computer screen, like I was, I was yeah. gonna say too, because I've heard the show so much. I feel like I know you. Like it's just because I've heard your voice. Like there's some people who are like complete like enigmas. You you don't know what they look or sound like until you meet them, and you're always kind of waiting for some sort of shred of like real life like bits and details about these people that you know online. But I feel since. Like, I've had, like, I listen to Get Up in the Cool at my office, so I'm like, I always hear your voice coming in. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. it's like someone I've, ne- I've I've met, like, a million times, but, like, you know, that's uh, that's all I can really say. Well, I'm glad to reciprocate a little bit, and also I understand. I also have podcast friends who, 
if I were to see them in public, I would be like, oh, you, you're, oh, we're actually not friends. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I know, oh, who I know you, you are. a lot better than you know me. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> this is weird. But, um, that is the really weird thing about today's world is knowing people and they don't know, have any idea who you are and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, the same could be said of you. Like I said, I've been watching your <laughs> your banjo videos for a while. And I will say this, there's a lot of people playing the banjo on the internet and um I always watch I always watch your videos and I don't watch everyone's <laughs> videos. <laughs> so I love your playing and I'm happy to have you on the show. Oh, I'm 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 absolutely gleaming to be here. Uh, I, it's kind of the same. I kind of feel the same way. There's a lot of banjo out there, but I very there there. I have to be selective with all the ones that I take in. Yeah, but I'm glad that there is such that, that there are so many banjo players out there. Jeez. Oh, it's great. <laughs> um, I guess so. I guess we have time for this one more. Yeah. Um. This is called Down in the Old Hometown. Oh, great. And I learned it from a record by Oscar Ford and Dewey Grace from Atlanta, Georgia. And from what I understand, uh, Tony Russell wrote about them in his new book, Rural Rhythm. And I got to go reread their section. But they were both, um, they both worked at a Ford plant in, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And it's ironically enough, his name's Oscar Ford. And um, Oscar Ford, he he wrote like uh, he he did a song that was like Henry Ford's Model A or something, something about like technology once again at the time. But um, I prefer I preface this song with a little introduction, saying that I think this song is very entertaining because it's supposed to be a love song, I think, and it is exactly what you would imagine two auto workers from Atlanta coming up with as a, as a love song. Sure. <laughs> uh, d- down in the old hometown. The original recording, it was a lot more uh, rough around the edges, but I kind of like, I kind of devoned it up a bit. Great. That gal wouldn't do down in the old hometown. Her hair is black, her eyes are blue. She chews tobacco and she does snuff too. She'll get drunk on old homebrew down in the old hometown. Down in the old hometown, in the old hometown, in the old hometown. The sweetest girl in all the world, she lives in the old hometown. Another fella had her in a Cadillac 8 Down in the old hometown 
hometown, in the old hometown, the old hometown, the old hometown. The sweetest girl in all the world, she lives in the old hometown. I got me a job on a country farm down in the old hometown. The work it was easy, but the weather was warm down in the old hometown. They sent me out to milk the cow. I never had milked, and I didn't know how. I tried to milk the daddy cow down in the old hometown. Down in the old hometown, in the old hometown, in the old hometown. The sweetest girl in all the world, she lives in the old hometown. told me to go to down in the old hometown down in the old hometown in the old hometown in the old hometown the sweetest girl in all the world she lives in the old Follow Devin Flaherty on Instagram at ElectroBeams to check out his banjo videos and be the first to hear about his new album with Blue Hole Recordings. And while you're waiting for that to come out, he's got two albums that you can buy right now at DevinFlaherty.com. All that is linked in the show notes for this episode. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. If you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up In The Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional claw hammer banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up In The Cool. Again, everything I just mentioned, it's linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up In The Cool.